Welcome to part three of our three-part podcast series on building with tall mass timber, sponsored by ThinkWood. I'm David Myron, editor-in-chief of ProSales Magazine, and I'll be the host of today's podcast on developing with tall mass timber. In part two of our three-part podcast series, we talked about seismic and fire concerns for tall mass timber construction. In this podcast, we'll talk to one of the pioneers of tall mass timber building development in the United States, Ben Kaiser, owner and principal of Kaiser Group and Path Architecture. Ben successfully worked with Oregon state officials to waive the restrictive codes that limit the height of wood buildings. This accomplishment has made mid to high rise cross laminated timber buildings possible for the first time in the United States and was essential to developing his signature project, Carbon 12, an eight story, 14 unit condominium in Portland, currently the country's tallest wood structure. Welcome to the podcast, Ben. Hey, good morning. And thank you to Multifamily Executive for the invitation to even speak today. I really appreciate that. So, Ben, tell our listeners a bit more about your company. Which tall mass timber projects has your company worked on? As you mentioned, we're a development firm and an architectural firm. Kaiser Group is the registered development firm as well as a registered general contractor for all structures. And then Path Architecture is the design arm. And we're only eight people, David, but what's interesting about being essentially from soup to nuts development It allowed us to research and design using these new materials. I think had we been the standard format of just being an architectural firm or just being a general contractor or even just being a developer, it would be much more difficult to innovate with a new material such as mass timber. But for the fact that we are all three together uh, and the owner as well, meaning we find the land, we come up with the idea we designed the idea, and then we were the general contractor for Carbon 12. And then we were in charge of sales of the condominiums, as you mentioned. So that allowed us to kind of strip the profit centers for those three practices and devote all that into the funding of the research and design. Because as you can imagine, working on this first tall wood building in the United States, there was quite a bit of innovation and difficulty associated with it. So again, for the fact that we're all three entities, that's what allowed us to do it. You talked about Carbon 12. Are there any other tall mass timber buildings that your company developed? Yeah, we've done a number of them now. The first reason we got into this was actually back in 2013, believe it or not. Time flies. It was what we refer to as a group we called an eco-summit. There was a group of us who owned land contiguous to one another And we decided to make a journey up to the Bullet Center up in Seattle. And the Bullet Center, I believe, opened in the spring of 2013. And we were up there visiting with that development team shortly thereafter and walking through the Bullet Center. The Bullet Center is a mass timber building that's essentially off-grid up in Seattle. Dennis Hayes is the head of that foundation. And it's a very inspirational building. It was not cross-laminated timber, but it was, in fact, one of the first mass timber buildings in the United States and one of the first off-the-grid buildings in the world. So we all toured that. There was a small group of us who got in a van and drove up and found it to be very inspiring in regard to its environmental footprint and all that it was trying to achieve as a Class A office building. And then returned to Portland in 2013, invigorated to try that as much as we could on what we called One North. So One North was our collective first mass timber project. And that was us. It was a Class A office building together with Eric Lemelson and Nels Gabbert and Owen Gabbert, who developed adjoining Class A office buildings, 
all of which we used mass timber. So that was our first foray into mass timber. We could not afford the majority of what the Bullet Center did because that was built for around $625 per square foot, if I remember correctly. And we had a budget of around $175 a foot. So out of the all the inspirational aspects of the Bullet Center, what we could afford, not the gray water recycling or the black water or the off-grid solar, what we could afford is the mass timber component. And we really saw that as one of the integral parts of its environmental footprint. And also we saw it as the most repeatable, the most replicable, because one thing that we had in our mind is the Bullet Center, albeit inspirational, it's very hard to repeat because of the extremely high budget associated with it. So we thought mass timber and that budget of around $175 a foot, and that first building of ours was called the Radiator, 36,000 square feet of, as I mentioned, Class A office that we could build using mass timber and actually have it replicable by other development teams. Because we think that the key to improving our overall environmental footprint is make something, an idea that's replicable. So it was 2013 is when we jumped into this whole idea. And then there's a building between that, that's Carbon 12. And now we're on to the third mass timber building, which is called the Canyons, also here in Northeast Portland. So you jumped into tall mass timber in 2013. Can you tell our listeners why you first embraced tall mass timber? The group, as I mentioned, Eric and Nels and Owen and I sat down and were really considering at the forefront the challenges that we were all becoming more and more aware of back then, back in 2013. Of course, climate change was on many people's minds, but it certainly wasn't on everybody's minds. You remember back then there were still plenty of naysayers people who doubted the idea of climate change. There's some folks in politics, as brilliant as they are, who even labeled it a Chinese hoax. Well, we saw the opposite. We felt that this really was a significant component of architecture and development going forward. The fact that climate change is in all of our backyard now. And so we, as a team, leaned deeply into mass timber as the solution from what we could do. So that, that's really, it was the climate and the challenges to the climate. And all of us have children and all of our children are growing up. And I think we all wanted to make sure that for our part, we were doing all we could. And that's what spurred the drive up to the Bullet Foundation and the Bullet Center and a visit with Dennis Hayes and the walk that site. Based on your experiences, how does developing with tall mass timber buildings benefit the environment? It's all around carbon sequestering. So the, as we all are aware, it's the generation of carbon that's really the most damaging to our atmosphere. What we want to do is try to keep carbon back on the planet in any way possible. So you can imagine drilling down. Some people refer to it as the worst experiment of all time or for the past hundred years. We've been drilling to the Earth's surface, pulling up things that are locked in the Earth and burning them and sending the carbon skyward. So what we need to collectively do is sequester, capture that carbon and hold it back closer to the earth, the earth's surface. What's fascinating about this, and it is very nuanced, but when you use concrete and steel, that both those manufacturing processes for concrete and steel are very carbon generation intensive, meaning you know strip mining and the lime production and the high heat necessary for concrete. And similarly, the high heat and all the ores used in steel are huge, have huge uh, carbon generation footprints. Whereas you can imagine when a tree grows, that's photosynthesis. And what's that doing is converting sugars into carbon. 
And then the tree is therefore made of carbon. It is carbon. It's, in, it's embodied carbon. So when you cut down a tree and build something with it, you've actually captured and held on to that carbon, as I mentioned, at the Earth's surface. So what we're envisioning is a building site is actually not a neutral situation. Um, it's actually a sink. It's a negative situation. We actually have a theory. It's a bit of a stretch, but a theory based on the fact that an empty building lot has a higher carbon footprint than a building uh, lot with a uh, mass timber building on it, with a CLT building on it, because we're actually going into the negative in regard to sequestering and holding on to carbon. Whereas a building lot with a big concrete and or steel building is a huge footprint in regards to the carbon generation that's going straight up into the atmosphere. It sounds great for the environment, and your contributions to carbon sequestration are admirable. Did you have any concerns about building tall mass timber buildings initially? Let me ask you a question. Do you own an acetylene torch? No. Do you own concrete formwork? That would be a no. Do you own a saw? Yes. Do you own a drill? Yes. And, and in those answers, it kind of describes to me why we were able to adopt this so quickly and why I think the general public and the world of architecture are also adopting this rather quickly is because building with wood is fundamental to all of us, I think. Very, very, very few of us know how to do a post-tension concrete slab. Very, very, very few of us know how to operate an acetylene torch and understand the incredible engineering behind post-tension concrete. But all of us own drills and saws. And I think what's fascinating is that really we're all returning to a a place that we all inherently understand, and that's building with wood. At the time you got into tall mass timber buildings, were there any prevailing concerns from your counterparts in the industry? Oh, absolutely. Everybody had concerns. As a development team, you know, the first thing that we need to do is raise money. The first thing that we need to do is prove our idea to investors into a bank. So you can imagine if you walk into a room saying, I'm going to build a class A office building with concrete or steel, no one will bat an eye. If you walk into a room of investors or insurance brokers or bankers or really anybody, all of our subcontractors, our electricians, and you say, we're going to build a building with CLT or mass timber, no one knows what that even meant at the time. So we had to every single conversation about anything to do with the project that we were envisioning was accompanied by hours of discussion in regard to education, understanding, calming of the nerves. So our investors had to walk out onto a plank of something that's never been used in the United States. The bank had to do the same, the insurance company similarly. And then when we got to the design phase, the city of Portland had never seen it, didn't know how to permit it, were understandingly leery about permitting it. And then when you get to the building stage, all of our subcontractors didn't know what it was, didn't know how to treat it in regard to the bidding. So David, yes, there were challenges kind of at every corner. That said, that was back in 2013, 2014. And one interesting anecdote to kind of illustrate the delta that's happened between then and now, here in the city of Portland, when we went to the city of Portland with the radiator building or subsequently Carbon 12, it was a real battle. And the city of Portland, as I mentioned, was understandably leery about approving a project that hadn't been built in the United States. 
You had to overcome some pretty significant obstacles to build with tall mass timber, and were certainly one of the pioneers in this market. Kudos for that. Out of curiosity, how much of your revenue is generated by tall mass timber buildings today? So we, we ever since that trip, David, up to the Bullet Center, we've pivoted. We're 100% mass timber. We're not going back. Now, that said, I just want to be super clear that we're not purists. We're not trying to do all wood buildings. So for instance, we're all, we'll always use concrete, you know, underground, parking garages, footings, of course. We're not trying to replace where concrete does a very, very good job. We're not trying to replace that with wood, nor are we trying to replace all the steel. Steel is also an incredible material. It's lightweight, ex- extremely high tensile strength, is great in seismic zones. So we're, we're not purists, but what we are is really let these three materials shine where they can do their best work. Wood is incredible, incredibly light. Uh, carbon-12 is a fun fact. Carbon-12 weighs about 30% of what it would have weighed had we done it in concrete. That's an incredible metric in and of itself. So that building weighs 70% less than had we done it in concrete. But that said, the, the foundation is concrete, the parking garage is concrete, and, and we're huge fans of concrete where, it, like I say, does its best job. The core of, of Carbon-12 is a, is a buckling restrained brace frame core. So that's a steel core. And that's what's fascinating is wood and steel go up quickly together and they perform well together. So we're fans of using the materials where they do their best job. That going forward, that's, that's how we'll continue to go. And so in answer to your question, we're 100% wood as the, as the majority of our projects, but we'll always, of course, be integrating steel and concrete where necessary. Based on your experiences developing tall mass timber buildings, is there anything you can do with tall mass timber that you can't do with concrete and steel? One of them, and one of the most important ones, in my opinion, when you're going taller and taller, is the fact that concrete needs formwork, and a lot of it. And that formwork has to stay in place for many days for the concrete to cure. So we've all seen it driving around any city. You see the floors going up. And all the shoring columns that are sitting beneath those new slabs as those slabs cure. And of course, you can't occupy those floors because all the shoring is in place throughout those floors. Whereas with mass timber, right when you place a panel, David, you can occupy that space beneath it. These mass timber buildings have a plenty, plenty of advantages. They certainly have a couple of challenges, but the advantages, in our opinion, again, as developers, architects, and builders, far outweigh the disadvantages. Are there any limitations to developing with tall mass timber? In regard to limitations, the one thing that concrete does still prevail at is spans because of the post-tensioning, because of the cabling that's laying in the formwork for these concrete structures, their spans are greater. So sometimes in the realm of taller class A office buildings that need column spacings that are larger, steel and concrete are beating wood because they can span farther. That said, there's investigations around the world from Michael Green up in Canada and Andrew Waugh, an architect doing great work in London. All of us are exploring ways to improve the overall building spans, these floor spans, And it's in my estimation that within three to five years, we'll match the spans of concrete in regard to composite CLT panels. So I think that we're closing in on that and soon we'll match even what at present is one of their major advantages.
You talked about some of the benefits using wood for the environment. You mentioned that wood is lighter than concrete. What about other benefits to your company when building with tall mass timber? For example, the time to build with tall mass timber compared to concrete and steel, builder safety, the ease to install. Have you noticed anything like that? Yep. There's many, many other, as I say, advantages. So on these buildings that we're doing right now, which is called the Canyons, it's an elder housing project we're doing. We can install an entire floor, which is roughly, I want to say, 15,000 square feet. We can install that entire floor in two days. That's very quick. 15,000 feet of flooring put down in two days. And talk about worker safety. These panels are very light. These buildings weigh, as I mentioned, about 30% of what they would have weighed in concrete. So very lightweight panels. Now that said, they're very large. They're 12 feet by up to 40 feet long. So these are large panels. But once they're placed, once they're placed on a column, it's safe to be beneath the panels. It's safe to walk on the panels. So we're thinking for overall worker safety, mass timber is a safer path than concrete and steel. And as I say that then the finished material showing up on the inside of these units, I think is the benefit for the end user, for the people occupying these buildings. How have others, such as builders or homeowners, benefited from the development of these buildings? The one thing that I think is lacking in the U.S. right now are just enough of these buildings for the layperson to walk through. Because we've, we've given tours to folks from around the world, from Asia to Europe to South America, have come through our buildings trying to learn how to take these ideas and technology back to their countries. And so I think that the, just by the fact that these folks have to travel three to 8,000 miles to visit a building, that's the detriment. So every building that's being built around the world is really a classroom for the rest of us to learn from. And this was true with concrete and or steel back in the day when those were introduced. This is no difference here. We're putting up classrooms. And it's amazing the adoption rate of what's happening as a result of these classrooms. So I think that that's the one thing for builders and tenants and occupants and development teams is just to be able to walk through buildings. And then in regard to the immediate benefits, these Class A office buildings have leased up way quicker than we had imagined. And we believe it's because when you walk into them, all the exposed surfaces are wood. So I think any tenant or any home buyer or any retail space, walking into an all wood space is a lot more inspirational and exciting than walking into an all drywall space for sure. So in steel structures, you have to protect all that steel with drywall for fire reasons or even concrete walls, which are quite cold and uninviting in the the majority of their applications, pretty uninviting. Whereas wood interiors, I think, are exciting, and people immediately take to these buildings and lease and or buy these buildings. So the evidence that we're seeing firsthand is the adoption rate in regard to the market for these products. There's also quite a bit of talk about how these living in wood structures, living with the face of these interiors facing you and them being wood, there's a relationship, kind of biophilia relationship between humans and wood in that they both are taking in and giving off moisture throughout the year. And there's studies that are coming out proving that living and working in these environments is actually better for your health. So that I can't attest to. We haven't done any testing firsthand, but there's plenty of testing out there that's saying that that's, there's evidence of that, which is also another benefit for the users of these structures. 
Moving forward, looking at the future of tall mass timber buildings, what excites you most? Ed Masria, I don't know if you know that name. He's the guy who's in charge of Architecture 2030. So Ed Masria, I went to a presentation of his six months ago or so. And roughly today, according to Ed, there's roughly 200, 200 billion square meters of building space in the world. The projections that most people are agreed to now is that by 2060, so in 40 years, there's going to be another 230 billion square meters of buildings built in our city centers. So in other words, the city centers, Tokyo, Mexico City, New York City, around the world, Paris, will be doubling in size in 40 years because worldwide there's a mass urbanization trend afoot. People are moving into city centers from around the world, from rural communities, suburban communities. People are finding, for one reason or another, that city centers are the best place to live. What's fascinating about that is they're also the greenest place. You can, you can understand that when you increase density, buildings become, cities rather, become much more environmentally sustainable because you're not spreading all those resources out over exurbs and suburbs and into the rural communities. You're focusing the energy and all the energy consumption in very central areas. So if, if these trends hold true and if these projections of doubling city sizes hold true, what are we going to build with? If we're all sitting here saying, yep, we're going to continue on the present path of building these tall buildings with concrete, we are really putting the nail in our own coffin. Because again, we'll be doubling the city sizes in 40 years. Our hope and what we're excited about is seeing the city centers becoming all wood, becoming these forests of communities. And I think that that's not only possible, but is happening. And in that, in that transition from steel and concrete skyscrapers to actually wood skyscrapers and the obvious carbon benefits that we spoke about earlier, what else is being built there is a bridge between the rural and urban communities that has become a chasm in the last 50 years here in the U.S. anyway, that the red and blue states, the red and blue areas of our country, and all of the acrimony that is happening as a result. Well, this sounds fantastic. One final question. What advice do you have for other developers, builders, architects, and engineers who are considering building with tall mass timber? I have to say, jump in both feet as soon as possible. The one thing as I mentioned earlier, we all need to do something as quickly as possible. I'm looking at the climate change challenge is a little bit different than most. I think the earth is going to be fine. So people with a bumper sticker that say, save the earth, I don't think they're quite understanding what's the challenge here. The challenge is actually save humanity. The earth may just be having a small fever and purposely shaking us off. So I'm actually flipping this to say the challenge is to stay on this ship as a, as a species. And I think that to your question, what can we in the architecture development world do to stay on this ship and actually try to write it and keep the, all, the, all of our ice melt, all of our glaciers from melting is build with wood. All U.S. Forest Service people have pivoted 100% towards this because they see this as a solution not only for housing, not only for the environment, but actually for our federal forests as well. Because again, back to what we spoke about earlier, it creates a market, a market demand that will be able to utilize federal forests and thin them out 
to then reduce the amount of forest fires happening. It's like a product that keeps on giving. And the Forest Service sees this more clearly than most. And there are strong advocates for development teams moving forward. So I'd say, in answer to your question, David, please, all development firms should come on board and start to integrate mass timber into their developments, regardless of where they are. There's only benefits. This has been great. Thank you, Ben, for your time and thoughts. And thanks to our listeners for tuning into our podcast on Developing with Tall Mass Timber, sponsored by ThinkWood. This concludes our three-part podcast series on Tall Mass Timber. We hope you enjoyed it.